Opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Good morning and welcome to Beyond the Business on News Radio 94.3 WSC. Each Saturday morning at 9 o'clock, successful business leaders and entrepreneurs from across the low country talk about what it takes to succeed in business and in life now your hosts of beyond the business eric cox and leslie haywood and great saturday morning low country welcome to another edition of beyond the business heard exclusively here on 94.3 wsc and simulcast on iHeartRadio every saturday morning at our new time slot yeah i know i got to sleep in Wow, isn't that great to have a little extra sleep? Yes. Nine o'clock here on Saturday mornings. I know. You got me on my second cup of coffee. This is awesome. (laughs) And you might also just be listening to us at the leisure of your own schedule. That's right. Via podcast at our website at coastalwm.com. Simply click on the radio icon and you can listen to not only shows from the last week or so, but all of our great stories of entrepreneurship and leadership from the last five years. Yes, and make sure and follow us beyond Saturday morning and find us on Facebook at Beyond the Business and also on Twitter, BTBCHS. And by the way, in case this is the first show you've ever listened to, welcome and shame on you for not listening before. Exactly. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Cox. And I'm Leslie Haywood. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely, Leslie. So here we are rounding out uh, March, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Hard to believe we are at the end of March and April is here. A uh, lot going on in Charleston this time of the year. And yes, as always, we have great stories of, uh, again, uh, leadership and entrepreneurship and just those who are doing the hard stuff, right? Yes. And last week, uh, the last two weeks, that was amazing. And we had such an enthusiastic guest, Dr. Troy Hall, CFO of uh, Charleston, or sorry, of South Carolina Federal Credit Union. And his so- story did not disappoint. Um, he had such a passion for cultural diversity and talent retention in the workplace. And um, I just want to share a little bit of information that he gave. He said one of the biggest mistakes company make companies make is when it comes to keeping employees um, they worry so much about employees treating customers like they're the most important people in the world when in reality if the company treats the employees like they're the most important person in the world that will trickle down to the customers so he certainly had a passion for great perspective yes exactly exactly happy employees mean happy customers means successful company and certainly um, an expert in that field and the fact that he brought a guest with him last week as well, Constantine uh, Comeros, who – It was a full house. Is, uh, it was – yes, it was a packed house here last week. Uh, he's the area director for credit union development um, at Victo National over in the Philippines. And so he was able to share some insights on what they're doing certainly in the Philippines and how that cultural diversity uh, tied in with what Dr. Troy Hall was uh, – I know. I think he doing. wins for guests that traveled the farthest – the Philippines. Yeah, I to think come so at this show. point. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that was quite a, quite a trip. I don't know. You came from West Ashley. That was pretty far, too, right? Yes. Yeah, so. Yes, that's far. <laughs> well, we're excited to turn the page, as we always do, to a new guest. And this morning, we have Jean Boldron, if I said that correct. You hopefully. did very well. All right, Jean. Well, welcome to the studio this morning. Thank you. We're excited to, to have here. you here this morning. You are the owner of Sherry Jean Cosmetics. And uh, as we traditionally do, we're going to dive into Sherry Jean and all the other ventures that you've been a part of, what you're currently doing, what you have on the horizon. But before we do, give us a quick 20-second commercial on uh, Sherry Jean Cosmetics and what that is. 
Well, Cherry Jing is the uh, first uh, branded uh, skincare salon of uh, Guino brand, which is one of the largest cosmetic brands in France to open here in the U.S., right here in Charleston. Wow. That? That's so exciting. That is this exciting. is something that Charleston and Mont Pleasant should be excited about because we brought the uh, latest in skincare technology and uh, from Guino here in uh, in this city. And so we're very proud of this. And another example of how, in fact, the world is globalized and Charleston is a, hopefully becoming more and more of a piece of that. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, we'd obviously, we found that uh, the demographic, the structure of the, of the city and everything else found where we wanted to start the first Guino here in, in Charleston and in Mont Pleasant. So here we are. Oh, awesome. Well, I can't wait to get into that, and that'll be later. But first, we're going to take our listeners way back to the to the beginning. Tell us about your where were you born and what was family like in those very early years? Well, that's where it gets... Uh, different. I love a story. That's what we want. That's this right. is exactly yeah, what we I, want. Yeah, I grew up uh, in a country called Morocco, uh, and uh, where my parents happened to be, the French parents, uh, grew up there for about 18 years uh, in uh, two different cities, and so I grew up in an environment where if you wanted to survive, you had to speak several languages, you know, so I grew up speaking Arabic, French, Spanish, uh, and everything in between, I guess, uh, and and really making our way. You know, we uh, it, it was a um, uh, a new country. Uh, we were small families, and uh, you had to adapt to a lot of things. So we learned a lot as we grew up on the street in Morocco. Uh, I think that was a really different upbringing. Did uh, were there for about eighteen years uh, before it was time to go study. And, Hang on, before you get there, I, you're, yeah. you're, we're going to take you back and uh-uh. dig in a little bit. You're not going to get off that easy. So. Uh-uh. Oh, I know. Well, I want to know, what, what did two French parents, how did two French parents wind up in Morocco? Well, you know, Morocco was a, uh, under the protection of the French government. Mm-hmm. And uh, my, uh, actually, I mean, if we go back a little while, uh, my great-grandfather was the, the Louis-Philippe uh, general, attorney general, moved to Algeria. Uh, and uh, successively after that, my grandfather uh, ended up being in Algeria and became the Ford and International Harvester, if you know that brand, which is becoming a different brand here now, National, uh, for Tractor, and he was the dealer. So we started a connection with the American brand very early in our family. <laughs> Uh, and what, what was the immediate family unit like? <coughs> what, what were your parents doing? Did you have siblings? So my, my, the, the company moved from Algeria to Morocco, became the dealer of Ford and, and, and International Harvester. So my father really was the one selling tractors and trucks. Okay. And really all of my uncle, the rest of my family were farmers. And so there was a symbiotic relationship there because they were farmers growing grapes and wheat and, and thing. And my, my father was the entrepreneur that uh, – or the dealer – Selling the tractors and and this sort of things. I grew up on tractors in the garage, you know, enjoying, you know, <laughs> putting together engine and uh, doing different things, and also going on the farm and uh, driving the tractors. And that that's how we um, we grew up in Morocco. Yeah. And do you have siblings? I do. I do. Um, I have a, an older sister, actually, Lynn. Uh, she lives in Baton Rouge. Oh, Baton okay. Rouge, Louisiana. And I have a brother who's continuing the tradition of the family in Morocco has transformed that company into a public work company, uh, and probably the largest one, I think, in Morocco now, uh, Louis, and he's doing extremely well. I have a younger brother that lives in Madrid, 
uh, in Spain, uh, doing well as well. And then uh, I have a little sister who's, uh, who's married to a Greek gentleman and live in Athens. Uh, agree so wow so many parts of the world represented through your family there we are pretty scattered around uh. <laughs> so uh in regards to you know we talk about when we're young when we think about when we grew up what we want to be uh, did you have as a youngster this idea of being in the family business and farming selling tractors or yeah. going off to be an entrepreneur or a rock star uh no i mean i thought for sure that i was going to end up working in the family uh, something but then you know there was some event in morocco uh, in the late 60s, where they kick out all the farmers and claim all the lands. And so all of my family, immediate family, moved out back to France as they were no longer welcome in Morocco. They took over their farms. And uh, so this, that story was over. And my father couldn't import any more tractors, so he decided to change his company, keep the few tractors that he had, and go into the public work company and rent his tractors and do work. And that started a company which has now, as I said uh, before, you know, became pretty uh, pretty successful. And my, my brother is uh, leading that, that company. So <laughs> the the dream of becoming part of the of the company sort of changed. And uh, I went out to France to study business. Uh, you know, as all young French people do, you have to go to France, back to the country to study. And so I did. At what age is this? About 18 to 22, you know, when you have to go and do your graduate study. Okay. So I went and do my graduate study. I wanted to be in business and, and learn that. And so I did. And I wanted to be in a multi sort of uh, linguistic environment. So I joined a, a school called the European Business School. And you had to study in Madrid. You had to study in Frankfurt. You had to study in London. And learn a little bit about the different uh, way of doing business, I guess, and business laws and business business practices in those countries. Um, and I I, um, I graduated then in uh, in uh, what eighty uh, two I think yeah with, the, with what in mind <laughs> what, what were you thinking you were going to do well, with that once even you got before your I graduated I was actually yeah. hired by GM in France. Uh, to become a controller of sorts. So it was actually, I was going to be a financial analyst of sorts and then grew up to uh, to become a controller. That's what they had hired me for. Uh, but they had suggested very heavily that I should get an MBA if I wanted to have any future GM, that they thought that the care path really required. And if I had an opportunity, they would be willing to help me and pay and, and all of this. And so I looked for uh, an avenue to get uh, an MBA, and, and what happened the year before sort of, you know, forced my hand, I guess, is that my, uh, my older sister, that was a student in pharmacy uh, in, uh, in Paris, had met a uh, young attorney from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, that she fell in love with. They both fell in love, and uh, she moved back to Baton Rouge with uh, Mr. Durr, actually, and uh, married him. And uh, so when I wanted to get my MBA, she said, well, why don't you come on down and, and be with me? And, you know, I mean, come to uh, LSU. And uh, it so happened that the, she had connection down there. And uh, so I applied and I find myself becoming a student at LSU where I got an MBA. And after that, I started to really like real estate finance. So I went into uh, real estate finance and got a master's degree in real estate finance. Uh, and so that was the end of my education there. I mean, I, that, but that's how I got into the U.S. <laughs> and naturally, you know, what happened to me is what happened to a lot of uh, folks like me that come here. I met a charming lady from 
from Baton Rouge from the south. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, and them southern uh, women will get you every time. I'm telling okay. you, they write your story, you know. <laughs> uh, so I settled down, and, and I got a job offer uh, immediately before I went out of college from Burger King. A, a strange story, but Burger King Corporation had bought their largest franchisee in the southeast, uh, and we're looking for young people to come and help with their real estate problem because apparently their real estate ownership was a mess. They had leaseholds that were expired. They had property that encroached on others. They had, I mean, all sorts of, uh, of real estate issue and construction issues. And so uh, they were looking for people that were a little bit aggressive, ready to bring new approach to um, how to solve their real estate problem. And so uh, I signed on and uh, started to work for Burger King uh, uh, in the southeast to to straighten up their property. And it was uh, it was a really wonderful time because, as you know, there's a strong French legacy in in Louisiana. Oh yes, and it got me to meet some really incredible people uh, that really pride themselves in in their uh, you know story, their legacy, their parents, and I had to. Uh, some some met some incredible people, you know, and get to know their their history and where they were coming from. I remember traducing, translating, sorry, uh, letters uh, for 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 people, landowner and uh, restaurant owner, um, so that to facilitate because they never were able to really understand, you know, those letters that they inherited from their grandparents and. Uh, it was it was a, a, just a beautiful time. I really got to love the the south part of 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 the U.S. Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama during that time. Uh, it really became part of me. Uh, and I I stayed there not very long, and because uh, you know, I mean, I grew up through the rank and found myself in Atlanta, uh, in charge of the regional office uh, pretty quickly. Um, but. Uh, yeah, but it was it was a lovely time. And in case you just joined us and uh, t- turned the dial and wonder whose voice that is, it's certainly not that of Leslie or myself, nope. correct? It's that of Mr. Jean Bouljean, who is uh, the owner of Sherry Jean Cosmetics here in Charleston, and telling the story of you know, growing up, uh, certainly uh, across the pond, coming to the States, spending time in Louisiana, and now you are find yourself in, in hot Atlanta, right? Yeah. Uh, the center yeah, of the hot South. Hot Atlanta is right. Um, and um, <coughs> give us a little perspective on professionally at this point. You've been working for the Burger King organization. Where did you see at that point the future going for you? Well, I, I know that I loved that property, and I wanted to. I liked what I was doing in, in corporate real estate. And I found that uh, all the diverse problems that we were dealing with were just really just Every one of them was more interesting than the next. I mean, as I explained before, you know, there was an incredible connection with people. So I thought, you know, from that standpoint, it was really nurturing uh, and enjoyed myself quite a bit. And fortunately, you know, I grew up in terms of uh, the responsibility the company wanted me to have. You have to know that at the time, Burger King was owned by a company called Pillsbury. Mm -hmm. You may remember Pillsbury and the Doughboy and all this stuff. And that company was also then acquired by an English company called Grand Metropolitan. And okay. that uh, London-based company, which is now Diageo, you may know the large liquor yes, group Diageo, called right? Diageo. That's who it was. And they wanted to have a presence in the food business at the time. And they bought Pillsbury, but Burger King was part of it. And they didn't really care about Burger King. So they wanted to find somebody within the Burger King organization that was going to realize some of the assets. You know, try to sell 
uh, all of that restaurant real estate. And so they uh, found that there was somebody they could talk to that were not too far from them, from you know being French and them being English. And so they put me in charge of uh, uh, assembling and selling real estate portfolio. And so I would put together, after we had solved the problem, the real estate problem, I would put together portfolio of restaurants and we would sell them to private equity group really uh, at uh, because they were secure because it was diversified obviously we were able to get some pretty aggressive cap rate and uh, Grand Metropolitan at the time of the edge or now liked that very much so it become really a job on itself and I got to meet some of the largest private equity group which really enjoyed putting in their in their portfolio some of those Burger King restaurants uh, at the time, and it, it was it was really interesting, you know, because if you think about it, it was the beginning of uh, putting together a portfolio of property that you would sell at a multiple, uh, and so it was uh, it was a really interesting time, uh, and because we were successful, I think they found nothing better to ask me to also be responsible for the the industrial portfolio, the Pillsbury portfolio, so all the the plant, the frozen dough, the uh, pepperoni pizza plant. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there was a new chapter in my life <laughs> trying to uh, buy and sell vineyards and uh, sell plants and all sorts of different type of assets because those corporate uh, company have very large portfolio and, and they have a bit of everything in there. Uh, so it, it continued to be really interesting. You know, I, I don't think I had a moment uh, where uh, I, I, I didn't learn something new and dealt with different type of problems. And so I, I love that. And so at what po- what year is this? And are you married now? Uh, oh, time? yeah, I'm married. And I probably have two already two wonderful children. Two, two kids Natalie at this point? and Caroline, yes. And, yes. Um, and you're still in Atlanta. And I'm still very much. Well, I've been in Atlanta at that point two or three years. Right, yes. right, right. right. Uh, and I'm sort of accumulating, you know, doing things. I was becoming the go guy, the, the solve my problem guy. You know, I mean, that's really what it was. So, right. Jean, as um, a person who's spent a majority of your career in corporate America, yeah. right? with very large corporations did you find yourself at times having this niche in your heart for entrepreneurship and uh, thinking about one day you might break away or were you just really enjoying the environment and culture of corporate america no i I think when you work with franchisee the way i did with burger king you found yourself very often wanted to be on the other side you know and thinking about you know what would it be Uh, obviously because you help entrepreneurs and they open themselves to you uh, and their and their problems. So of course, of course, you you think. But being successful in in a corporate, you know, you don't really have the time to think about. Well, I want to let all this go, uh, and, and do something else. So yes, I mean, obviously, yeah. And was there a moment along the way in the corporate environment that you look back now and think, man, these were some opportunities or areas in corporate that were challenging for you? That um, certainly, if you could do it over, you would. Oh. Uh, Absolutely, uh, you know. Yes, I mean, I had opportunity other than, but uh, I, I was completely immersed in in what I did. And you know, I mean, if if you know me, I'm a 150 percent guy, and I, everything become personal to me. And so I take all those things, you know, at the next level. And so that's why I think I was moved, you know, from one assignment to the next, is because everything became a personal challenge. Uh, to me, I mean, after that, I was uh, having all those responsibilities. Burger King was started to falter, actually, in the mid-90s. 
and they needed to get development back going again. And so I, brought, I was brought back into Burger King as their national director of development to get the development going. And so I did this. In fact, we had a, uh, a particular initiative at the time of building Burger King in gas station. And so we, uh, I negotiated with some of the largest oil companies to, 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 to develop corporate programs to build restaurants with them in their gas station. And it, it was successful. Now, you, you have spent so much time in corporate. What are some of the things that you learned in corporate that you have taken with you, taken with you as, on the entrepreneur side that you can maybe share with our listeners that uh, maybe they need to adopt? Well, I, I think, and I heard you say it earlier, something that is very true. It's all about the people. Mm-hmm. It's not what you do, is is who you get it done with. And so uh, that was a, a big learning for me as I was a young uh, guy in, yeah. in corporate, is to learn the importance of working with people and uh, how having good people and, and, and nurturing uh, that uh, that. Uh, you say that 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 wanting to be successful, right? Uh, and, and always express everything in terms of being successful. Uh, it was important to me. And then the, the the next thing is also is that it's just as important to manage upward that it is to manage downward in a corporate environment. Right. You have to spend at least as much time thinking about what's happening on top of you and how is your boss thinking and their boss if there's you know different layers and how is that taking place and what is the strategy of the company and how what you do fit within that and always start to uh, be mindful of what your piece of the pie works with uh, with with the rest of the company and john as we're running close to out of time here let's talk a minute about how sort of your corporate life was coming to an end and you make this transition into entrepreneurship and not ironic i, I assume that you spent all your corporate life on the franchisee or franchise side and now a franchisee um, talk a little bit about the evolution of your entrepreneurial journey. Well, I mean, it, it, first of all, I mean, that was the early days of my of my career. I mean, I, I went then international, and I was in international restaurant development for 20-some years. Uh, and the reason why this is important is because I did an incredible amount of travel. I work after Burger King for a company called Young Brand, which has a presence in about 120 countries. And I was responsible for their portfolio. And so that took me everywhere. And then I, I worked with a different company, but one of them was Friday's, Friday's mm-hmm. Restaurant, which you may know, and it has a presence in 70 countries. <coughs> and I was, at each time, managed, uh, you know, responsible for either a large part of their portfolio or the entire thing. And I did an incredible amount of travel to the point that about a, uh, a couple years ago, uh, I had enough of travel, and I had been thinking about what's next. You know, I mean, as you as you grow old and and uh, <laughs> you mature in what you do, you start asking yourself, "What's the next chapter?" And uh, I had the opportunity to find an assignment to uh, come and help uh, a company in Tampa uh, instead of trying to do, and which would take me out of the travel and working with a private equity group in California to sell that company. And uh, I took that assignment to just stop the international travel. I mean, one morning it was just hit me. I mean, I just don't want to travel anymore. That's just not what I want to do. I've done too much of it. I need to get on into something else. And I took that assignment. And at the same time that very year, I had started to meet the people of Guinea in some franchise fair or another. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, 
you know, that started the discussion that for me became important. I got to be interested in, in Gino uh, and what they were doing and why was that, why were they interested in coming to the U.S. And, and we started to, to, to meet regularly over the next uh, 12 to 18 months mm-hmm. uh, until I finally decided, well, I think that, uh, that, that that is something I want to do. Parallel to this is that my wife is from Goose Creek. Yes. Here. And so we had decided to come back to Charleston. And so the whole, the, the, the two things sort of worked their way together, which led me to come here, build a house, and open that, uh, that Gino business here in, in uh, Mount Pleasant. And mm-hmm. so from start to finish in terms of that transition, it was about two years yes. for you? Yes. And yes. in our last remaining seconds here, what would you uh, recommend to some of our listeners as important aspects for your due diligence in that two-year window that's helped you be successful in this venture? Well, first of all, I think uh, the, the most important is to do your homework. You know, Do your homework. I mean, study the market. Uh, talk to as many people as you can in the industry. Try to really understand the dynamic of the business to the extent that you can. I mean, for us, Gino is a new brand here. Mm-hmm. I mean, even though there is salon that carry the brand, it is not something that exists. So there was not too many people we could talk to. But we did talk to people that were in the business uh, to try to understand the dynamic of the business. And that, I think, is, is great. Do your homework. Do your homework. Do your homework. I can't believe it. That, 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 <laughs> they go it by fast. That's it, right. Fast. You tee it up. Now you have to come back next week to hear I know. Now how we the gotta, rest of the story unfolds, right? I'm excited. Mr. Jean Bouljon, who, again, is the owner of Sherry Jean Cosmetics uh, here in Charleston. Thank you for the first half of your story this week, and we look forward to having you back next week to hear the rest of the story. Thank yeah. you for having me. Follow, I us, on, follow us on Facebook at uh, Beyond the Business. And again, if you happen to miss any of our previous shows, simply go to our website at CoastalWN.com, click on Radio Icon, and you can listen to all of our great stories of inspiration in the world of entrepreneurship and leadership. And until next Saturday morning at 9 o'clock, Low Country, have a blessed week. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Business on News Radio 94.3 WSC. Tune in next Saturday morning at 9 o'clock for Beyond the Business, hosted by Eric Cox and Leslie Haywood, and heard exclusively on News Radio 94.3 WSC.